You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Uh, last week kicked off this series called The Forgotten God. And why do we talk about what we talk about? Why, why do we do life groups? Why do we do that? Because we want to equip you to not just be a churchgoer. We want to equip you to change your world. That's why we're here. We're not here just to have church so that we can say we have church. We're here to change the world. And uh, man, last weekend, if you were with us for our refresh weekend, uh, Tim Enlow was just an incredible teacher, and we were so blessed to have him with us. And really, our whole goal in this series and, and everything that we share on a weekend is to, to help equip you to change your world, to change your family, to change the world around you, your workplace, your neighborhood, that we can make a difference. And one of the things that we do is we try to offer a resource every month and to help you go a little deeper. And if, if you enjoy reading, I just wanted to highlight the, the resource this month. Uh, we have a book by Jeff Lee called Power for Life. Uh, and uh, it's back at the Connection Center for $10. And we also have uh, Tim Enlow's book, Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. So if you want to read and dig a little deeper on the Holy Spirit we're talking about this month, you can pick those up at the Connection Center for 10 bucks. Or if this is your first time uh, here, you can just stop by there, give me your communication card, you can get one of those books for free. So I uh, hope you can check out that resource. And before we get started today, I wanted to, to just stop and pray, if that's okay. You know, I, I believe that God has something special, and uh, so often we get in life and get busy and have so much going on. But there are certain spaces in life that God can do the miraculous, the supernatural, that God can do things in your life. And this is like this in every area. Like we learn more when we're in school. Why? Because at school we're expecting to learn and we're geared and are aimed and we're focused on that. Uh, here at this space we have in time, this space in your week, this is an opportunity for God to speak into your life, to challenge you, to change you in a way that it might not happen any other place. And I want to make sure that we go into this opening God's word with open hearts, ready for what God has for us. So if, if you could bow your heads with me this morning as we just open in prayer. I mean, even if you feel comfortable just putting your hands out in front of you as we just receive from God. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Holy Spirit, I believe you have something special in store for this morning. God, that it's not an accident that any of us are here. God, I pray you would open our hearts and our minds to receive from your word today. Lord, that today isn't just another ritual or obligation, but God, that you speak into our existence. You challenge us, Lord. Even at times, push us beyond what's comfortable. Lord, that you could uh, help us become more of what you desire us, the men and women of God you created us to be, that we could change our world. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as, as adults, most of us are adults, there is nothing more scary or frightening than being powerless. I don't know if you've been in those places before where something happens, circumstances take place in your life where you feel powerless. These are the moments that we find ourselves scrapping and fighting, doing whatever we can to not lose power over our circumstances. We love to have control of our circumstances. Uh, in fact, there are entire books, coaching groups, and videos all over the internet. Like there's whole uh, uh, programs and organizations geared toward helping us learn how to take power over our circumstances. We, we're told that we can just speak things into existence or change our mindset or surround ourselves with the right people, that everything will change. But, and, and all of that is well-meaning, but what happens when none of that works? What happens when, when we still find ourselves in those difficult places? What happens when you're given a diagnosis 
that takes your breath away, or, or you're facing a situation in your family, your relationships, that you don't have the knowledge or wisdom in yourself to navigate. Last summer, uh, we were on vacation in Wisconsin, and, uh, and I experienced one of these moments where you feel totally powerless. Uh, I had been sick and uh, was throwing up more than I could even count. It was one of those miserable moments on vacation. Um, but in reality, you know, I was sick. I thought maybe I had food poisoning. I wasn't sure. And in reality, though, I'm an adult. You know, I've been sick before. I can handle it. I'll be okay. I remember <clears throat> uh, when I was sick, the one day, uh, we went to... Uh, to the zoo. We were in Milwaukee, went to the Milwaukee Zoo, and one of, some of my friends from college live up there, and so we were going with our two families to go to the zoo, and uh, my, Heidi and the kids went and explored the zoo with uh, my friend and their family, and I slept on this bench uh, at the, in the zoo. Like, I literally laid down on a bench in a zoo and just slept. Uh, one of the people who worked there came up to me and was like, are you okay? Do you need me to call someone? Like, are you living here? What's, what's going on? <laughs> wasn't sure, and I just like gave them kind of a uh, thumbs up, put my head back down, and I was out. Um, I literally like slept all day. It was a miserable moment, but I'm an adult, right? You know, I can handle this. I'll, I'll be okay. Um, but the next day, my son, uh, Zach, he gets sick. He starts throwing up. And, and then Heidi, my wife, she gets sick, and she starts throwing up. That's when we realized it wasn't food poisoning, and, and we, we finally kind of breathed uh, a little relief because Zach got sick, Heidi got sick, but Evie, she wasn't even two yet. She hadn't got sick. We were good until about 1, 1.30 in the morning, and then she gets up, and she starts throwing up. And, and these, are, these are rough moments. And I remember the one night Zach had thrown up in his bed, and so he wasn't sleeping in the bed, and we were staying in an Airbnb. And uh, so the bed he was sleeping in, we, you know, it was middle of the night. I wasn't going to completely change everything. So I, we go out into a, a bed that pulls out of the couch in the living room there, and we're sleeping on this bed and a couch. You know those things aren't real comfortable. Zach finally gets to sleep. And as Zach is asleep, I'm laying there, wide awake now, frustrated. I'm angry. I'm so angry. And I'm having this conversation with God, which wasn't really a conversation. It was more me, like, talking to God. He wasn't really talking back in that moment. It was more me yelling at God, really. <clears throat> Under my breath, in my thoughts, I'm, I'm you know, berating God. And um, I'm mad because I'm frustrated. I'm like, we're, we, we finally get a break. We're on vacation. We're going to relax. And we all get sick. What in the world is going on? How can this happen? And I remember the next day, I'm, I'm, I'm telling Heidi this. And I'm, I'm just kind of venting. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm angry. Now, I was moping and feeling down on myself. After all, there was nothing I could do about this situation. Everyone was sick on vacation and that's just the way it was going to be. And as I'm sharing all this with Heidi, she makes this profound statement. She said, Nick, you can't control this, but you can control how you respond. God ultimately is the one that's in control. And there's nothing like your wife preaching to a preacher, right? <clears throat> but it's really what I needed. <clears throat> Even with everyone getting sick and <clears throat> that whole week kind of being lost, so to speak, we still had a good vacation, uh, time away. But I share that with you to illustrate something that I think God has been really trying to teach me over this last year, over and over and over again. Every time I feel like I'm gaining control again, something else happens where I lose control and I feel powerless. I don't know if you find yourself in that, that place or maybe you have before where you're trying so hard to control circumstances. It might be a relationship, your finances, your job, we try so very hard to control the circumstances, the outcomes, because we know the outcomes are going to be okay if I can control it. 
And, and there are moments where you completely lose control. In a sense, you're paralyzed. Like you, you can't control what's happening and it's out of your control and it's, it's spiraling and you're like, oh my goodness, life is going to end here. I don't like this. I'm ang- anxious. I'm frantic. And, and this, is, this is where God keeps putting me. <clears throat> he keeps putting me in those circumstances. And, and each time it happens, God, in the most caring, soft way, will just whisper this simple reminder to me that I want to share with you today. That God's power is made evident in our weakness. There's a level of God's power that we will never experience until we come to, to the grips with our own weakness. We, we want to see God do amazing things, right? We want to see God do miracles. We, maybe you've heard stories of missionaries that are healing the sick overseas. Or, or you see things, even this past week, our refresh weekend. Man, God did some amazing things. And people were healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. And you see those things and you're like, man, uh, that would be cool to see on a regular basis in my life or whatever it may be. But we will never see the depth of God's power until we come to grips with our own weakness. Until we face our own weakness. And I know this isn't what we want to hear. We want the power. We want the control. We want to get a grip on our circumstances. But what I'm learning, and sometimes it's a very painful lesson, is that I often won't see the incredible power of God at work until I realize how, how, how powerless I actually am. And this is a revelation that we see one of the men in Scripture come to. His name was Paul. He was one of the apostles. He wrote most of the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible. And uh, he writes about this revelation in his second letter to the Corinthian church. He, he said he had some difficulty or struggle that was, uh, he was totally powerless to overcome. He refers to it as his thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was. Maybe you've called people your thorn in the flesh, not to their face because that would be mean. But uh, maybe you've had those situations before. Maybe you have a boss or a coworker or, you know, you've had an all-night prayer meeting interceding that God would remove that coworker from the cubicle next to you and and he's still there, and you still have to deal with him and his crazy music or whatever it is that bothers you. Um, we've had those moments. This is where Paul found himself. He found himself in this moment where circumstances were such that his life was being difficult. It was miserable, and he pleaded with God. This caused him to step back and evaluate so much. And as he did, he, as he's having this conversation with God, he comes to this realization. And this conversation is recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Here's what Paul writes. He said, three times I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. He's pleading with God. This is Paul. Like, this is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. This is a guy who, who uh, healed the sick. Like, this guy planted churches all over the Roman Empire. He's pleading with God to remove this from him. Here's what God's response. Now, before I read this, this is what we want God to respond to in those moments. We want God to come beside us and say, oh, I'm so sorry. It's so difficult. Oh, I know it's hard. Let me take that from you. Let me give you some ice cream. You're going to be okay. Here, here's something extra too. Like we, we want God to, to comfort us, to take the pain from us, and to let us know it's going to be all right and give us a big hug, right? That's what we want God to say. But listen to what God actually says to Paul. Here's what it says in the very next verse, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. This isn't what we want to hear. This isn't what Paul wanted to hear. What do you mean my grace is sufficient? He's saying, you already have all that you need, Paul. In fact, when you're weak, 
when you don't have what it takes, when you're powerless, my power is made perfect. And that word perfect isn't like perfect like everything's easy or, 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 or right. It's perfect like it's complete. That God's power is complete. That we experience the completion of God's power when we recognize our own weakness. This is what, what God's speaking to Paul. And, and Paul turns the corner and he says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And when we read about Christ's power, the question is like, what, what is Christ's power? Christ's power is what he talked about. The power of the Holy Spirit. That, that the Holy Spirit continues to do what Christ started. Over this past week, God has done some incredible, incredible things. I loved Tim Enloe's teaching on the Holy Spirit and how God can work through us. I mean, such a powerful, if you didn't get to, to hear the message last week, man, I encourage you to, to go back and listen to it. The problem is, Sometimes coming off of powerful experiences like this past Refresh weekend, we hit real life. Monday comes, Tuesday comes, and things don't seem to add up. Sure, people were healed and filled with the Holy Spirit, but what we say to ourselves is, well, that's what Tim does, right? That's his thing. So he's something special. We, we start to assume that God only works through people we view as giants of the faith, quote-unquote, like people who have certain titles or positions, but, but what I want to ask you today is, what if God can actually do miracles through your life? What if God didn't confine the miracles and the supernatural to a select few? But what if he could actually do miracles? What if the power of God could flow through your life? What if the power of God wasn't confined to some select few Jesus superheroes, but was available to all of us? What if that took place? This was a struggle that we see the disciples in the early church have. I mean, after all, they saw Jesus do pretty incredible things, unthinkable things. I mean, he healed the blind and the lame who had been lame from birth. He, he, he would multiply food to feed thousands of people. He even raised people from the dead. These guys saw this right before their very eyes. This wasn't something they read about in a book. They watched it. They experienced it. It was incredible. So much so that they recorded it in the four books that start off the New Testament known as the Gospels. But when, but when Jesus ascended to heaven, he entrusted the kingdom to them. It was now their responsibility to continue the ministry of Jesus. That'd be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? Like, wait, wait, now we're supposed to do this? Jesus, you were the one. We were following, we we're good supporting you, helping you. We'll hand out the baskets of bread and fish. You just keep multiplying them. We're good with that. Now all of a sudden, these disciples were expected to do what Jesus was doing. How in the world are they supposed to do that? That's, that's crazy. Uh, they weren't Jesus. They weren't educated outside of what Jesus had taught them. They, they didn't have the titles or degrees. But they were to continue somehow the ministry that Jesus started. And all they knew was that they were to obey the last thing Jesus told them to do. That was to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the Holy Spirit. And that's what they did. As they were in the upper room in downtown Jerusalem... They're seeking God, praying, worshiping, ready for this comfort of this Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised them. And as Tim Enloe mentioned this past weekend, the Holy Spirit would fall in a powerful way on the 120 believers gathered in that upstairs room. They, they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. They would pray in the prayer language that God gave them. And what seemed completely impossible before now became possible. 
The miracles, healings, impossible things Jesus had done were now starting to be done through these believers. And this isn't just confined to these apostles or early believers. Sometimes we think that, well, they were apostles. You know, once they died, like that, that supernatural work stopped. It was just for scripture. But no, the Holy Spirit is still working through us today in 2019. In fact, listen to what took place. I love this story. The very next chapter, the disciples, these, these 120 believers, they're filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. I mean, there was this mountaintop moment, this moment that, that really would set the tone for the rest of the New Testament. Without Acts chapter 2, the rest of the New Testament wouldn't make any sense. And honestly, the rest of the New Testament wouldn't have even happened. Acts 2 is this defining moment. I don't know if you've had those moments with God. A defining moment where Man, God speaks to you. He challenges you. He, he does something in your life that transforms everything after that. It's like this, this, this moment that, that everything shifts. That was what, what took place for these disciples. The very next chapter, though, Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John going back to normal life. Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if you could just stay on that mountaintop experience? But Peter and John, they go back to their normal routine. One of the routines... Uh, for both of them, growing up Jewish, was you would go to the temple to pray. There were three times of prayer, at 9, at noon, and at 3 p.m. And in Acts chapter 3, they're going to the 3 p.m. time of prayer. This was the last time of prayer. And, and listen to what, what takes place. It starts off uh, in verse 2. It says, uh, or verse 1. Here's what it says. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon, as I mentioned. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he is put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So what, what took place here is this man, as you see here, was taken to the temple every day. This was like a normal thing. We'll find out in the next chapter. He was about in his mid-40s, about 45 years old. And this was, we don't know how long, you know, he had been lame, but, but this was a regular occurrence for him. This wasn't some abnormal thing like this specific day they decided he's going to go to the temple. He would beg because thousands of Jews would pour into the temple every day for this time of prayer. He's going, this is his only way to make a living. So as he, he's on his way to his spot at the, the, the opening of the, the gate called Beautiful, part of the, the outer courts of the temple, uh, Peter and John walk in. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And this is the normal thing. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Now, when you're begging for money here, he says, look at us. He's like, oh, okay. Maybe I'm going to get something really good here. Okay? So the man gives them his attention, expecting to get something from them. This was a, a really powerful moment. This was a, a very normal, regular moment, though. It was a common thing. Peter and John had probably gone through this interaction like this thousands of times. They had walked through the temple courts, and someone would be there begging for money. This, is, this, is, this was such a routine thing. But this is the first time we have recorded that Peter doesn't give the man money. He gives him something else. Here's what it says in verse 6. If we could all read this together. Can you read this with me? It says, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. What's interesting about this 
this, this little snapshot of this story is that Peter first recognizes what he lacked. And he was honest about it. He didn't have any money on him. He, he didn't have his wallet, whatever. He didn't carry his credit card or, or his iPhone where he could, you know, do Apple Pay. He, he didn't have anything on him. And, and it was in the revelation of his lack, of what he was missing, of what he didn't have, that God's power would then flow. And I love how the beginning, if you could put that verse back up real quick. I love how the beginning, uh, and I, I underlined it there, right there. There we go. Um, I do not have, recognizing, hey, he doesn't have something, but the end, you see what was weak now becomes strong. Not through Peter's power or ability, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in him. And, and what was the result? Verse 8, here's what it says, the very next verse. He jumped to his feet, speaking of the man who was lame, and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Paul, uh, or, or Luke, as Luke's writing this, he, he, he's emphasizing something. This man who couldn't walk, he opens up the story. He's literally being carried to this gate. Now he's jumping and walking. And then it says it again. He's jumping and walking. He's totally healed, transformed. And it, it wasn't because Peter had it all figured out. It wasn't because Peter had some s- secret sauce. It was because the power of the Holy Spirit was working in Peter's weakness. And, and here's the reality. This is the reality. As a church, my hope, our vision, isn't that people look at our church and say, wow, that church has got it going on. Man, they're a force in the community. They've got it all figured out. That's not the reality. That's not our hope. That's not our vision. Our vision is that people could see what happens here and see our weakness. See, see that we're not perfect. We don't have it all figured out. We don't have it all together. What we do have is the power of God working through us. That in our lack, God is, is greater that God's power is made evident in our weakness. Because it's one thing for you to recognize the power of God in your own life. You know, when we come to, to grips with our weakness, when we come to grips with our own fallenness, when we come to grips with the, the, the moments that we're powerless over our circumstances, that's important. But what happens when you encounter people who are walking through their own powerlessness? People who don't know where to turn. You have an incredible advantage. You're part of a church family that can encourage you, pray with you, support you, pray for you, be there for you. You you have that. Well, there are people that you encounter every day throughout your life that don't have that. And they're powerless. They're walking through a divorce that is messy and ugly and they don't know where to turn. Maybe they have a friend or two, but, but there's nothing outside of their own humanity to help them. And you carry the power of God. You, you carry the power of God with you. That, 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 that sick person that you encounter, you can actually pray for and they can be healed. It's not, not you. It's the power of God working through you. I love this illustration that Tim used Monday night. If you were at the Refresh Weekend, it was an incredible illustration. He talked about the idea that we are just the extension cord. We're just an extension cord. That when we plug into the source of the Holy Spirit, we're connecting to the need of someone else. It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. We're just the extension cord. We're just the connection between the two. But you're that. That, that in our weakness, we can come to, to realize the power of God that can work in us. But when we encounter others' weakness, we get to see the power of God work through us and transform them and heal them. You might think, man, Nick, 
that's not me. You know, I just like to come to church every so often, and that's about it. That's all the further I'm going to go. I'm not comfortable with that. What if you could be part of transforming a person's life? Someone's life can become so centered around what they're missing, they're lacking, their diagnosis, their, their situation in their family and their family dynamics, or, or, or just their financial setting. There's all kinds of things that can dominate a person's life. You have the opportunity to be part of bringing healing and wholeness. Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, wrote that by, speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, he said, by his stripes we are healed, that we can be made whole. What a great promise. You get to be the expression of that promise in someone's life. And it's not by, by being uh, all that in and of yourself. That's not what Peter and John were doing. It's by recognizing, recognizing that what Scripture talks about, what we see modeled for us, is really the power of God working through us. And this is what I love about the story of Jesus. As the worship team comes up today, this is what I love about the story of Jesus. Jesus isn't some story that we look to and say, wow, look at what God can do. That we see the capacity of how great God can be. You know, we read the comic books and watch the movies of superheroes, and you're like, wow, look at that. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, uh, we see all of that, and you see capacity, like, what could happen? Not that, you know, that really could happen, but we look at, like, Superman, and we're like, man, he's awesome because he can fly. Or, or, or we look at all these different superheroes. The Gospels, the story of Jesus isn't that. We don't read the story of Jesus and say, man, that's awesome. Look what God could do. That's so cool. I'm encouraged because God could do that. The story of Jesus isn't some uh, thing that we look at and say how great God is. The story of Jesus is actually a model. It's an example for us to follow. When you, when you understand that, it shifts things a little bit. Like, you're telling me that, that Jesus like, prayed for those who were blind and they were healed, and like, that's a model for me to follow? How's that supposed to happen? Or, or you're saying that, that when people were, were lame in their legs and, and Jesus took them by the hand and pulled them up and they were healed instantly, like that's a model for me to follow? How's that supposed to happen? It's not in your own ability. It's not like if you can just train your mind or, or if you can just will it to be, it'll, it'll be. Because we don't have the ability in and of ourselves. But God's power is made evident in our weakness. Then we recognize it's not me, it's him. And, and what God does in this church isn't, isn't me, it's him. And what God does in your life, in your family, in your workplace, your school, it's not about you, it's about him. It's the power of God through the Holy Spirit working in you. This is why God sent the Holy Spirit, to continue the ministry of Jesus. That what we read in the Gospels shouldn't be for some history book. What we read in the Gospels, what we read in the book of Acts, should actually happen every day. Not in here, or even at an altar, but at your cubicle, in your car, in the dairy aisle, wherever it might be. And I'm not saying like when you're walking through the grocery store, you need to get like a worship team behind you and start playing and be like, all right, who needs healing? Let's line up right here, single file, right next to the yogurt, please. That, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Peter and John did, right? Like they didn't have some big church service in the temple courts there. What did they do? It was normal, mundane, routine they encountered a need and recognized, I don't have what it takes to meet the need you're asking about, but I do have the power of God working through me to meet a need you didn't even ask me for. And the man's healed. 
Think about how transforming that moment must have been for that man who was lame. He now could get a job, a career, could make a living. That, that in his mid-40s, he no longer was destined to the life he thought he would have, a life basically of begging for money. He now actually could do something with his life and make something of himself and, and, and have a career and all the dreams and aspirations maybe that he, had, he, he thought were gone were now come, came back. All because one man, Peter, in a regular routine, mundane moment, was willing to recognize his weakness and to really, willing to exercise the power of God. And that's what God wants to do in your life. That's what God wants to do in our church. But I think actually more importantly, God wants to do outside of our church. God doesn't want the power of God simply confined to walls of a church. That's not how that ever works. That's not how it was supposed to happen. When you read the book of Acts, when you read through the New Testament, there were more miracles that took place outside of a church setting than that took place inside. Because that's God's desire. That the supernatural, the miraculous could take place through your life. Here's my challenge to you this week. When you encounter a need, you, you meet someone in, in your regular everyday life that needs something. It could be something really small, like they have a hangnail and it's bothering them. It could be something really big, like their, their husband just walked out on them. I, I don't know what it is. But you're going to encounter some needs this week. Here's my challenge to you. Don't sit back and be okay with the weakness in your own life. Like, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to do. You don't have to. All my, I want to ask you to do, just like Tim used this illustration, plug into the source, connect to the need, and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Say, you know what, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to be a conduit of your power in this situation. Pray for them. See what God could do. I bet you, you might be surprised and he might do a miracle. And what are you going to do? You're going to be like, yeah, that's all me? No. No, that's him. Him working through you, right? And here's what I want to do today. If you can all stand with me this morning. I want to take a moment here before we go. And I think what's far more important than what I share with you is what you do with it. Far more important. If you can walk out of this place and know everything I said, God bless you, because I usually forget it by Thursday or Monday. But um, here's my challenge, though. My hope is that it's not about what you learn. It's about what you do. And here's what we're going to do. I want to practice this. There are people in this room right now that need a miracle from God. And they need God to do something. And if God doesn't show up, it's going to get bad. And what we're going to do in a minute, if you need prayer, I'm going to ask you just to slip up your hand right now if you can do that. If you're like, man, God, I need a miracle in my life. I need God to do something supernatural. I need God to, to intervene. It might be something small or big. It, it could be something as small as, God, I just need to know that you're here. Or something as big as, God, I need you to, to step in and do a miracle in my life. If you could just lift, lift your hand up right now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to find people who have their hand raised. I want you to gather around them. Maybe there's no one near you. If there's no one near you, here's what I want you to do. The people you came to church with today are sitting near you. I want you to circle up and pray for one another. We're going to take a moment here. We're not going to rush past this. We're going to take a moment here. We're going to practice what we're talking about. If we believe that God is a God of miracles, if we believe that God can do impossible things, that, that what we see in Scripture isn't just for Scripture, but it is for today, let's practice it. 
And, and we can do that here. This is a safe place. We're not out there. We're not critiquing. We're not evaluating. We're not going to, you know, put together a little evaluation form and give you a grade or something. Um, you don't have to pray a perfect prayer. You don't have to speak in King James English. Please don't because we won't have any idea what you're saying. All you have to do is simply connect to the power of God and connect that power to this situation. So if you have your hand raised, if you can lift your hand up again, gather around someone whose hands raised, or if there's no one near you, the people you're with today, why don't you just circle up, pray for one another. Maybe there's a need that you don't feel comfortable sharing with a stranger, but you could feel share, you feel comfortable sharing with a friend or a family member that's with you. Let's just take a minute here and we're gonna pray for each other and then we're gonna come back together and close in worship. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.